0: Welcome to EQ2LFG, the unofficial EverQuest 2 podcast where we take a look at the world of NORATH from the player's perspective. News and updates, strats and secrets, bugs and bonuses. It's all right here, right now. Welcome back, everybody, for the second episode of EQ2LFG. I'm Trin, and I'm joined by my co-host, Marina. Hi! And today we're going to be talking about the new Kunark Ascending Purple Runes and the Kunark Ascending Public Quests and the nifty gear that you get out of those public quests. You get the recipe for the Purple Runes after you've completed the Kunark Ascending Trade Skill Questline. You only get to pick one class, obviously, as a player, you're only one class of Artisan. So you complete that Trade Skill Questline and whatever Artisan you are, you will get a special recipe to make a Purple Rune. Now, obviously, there's a purple rune associated with every class. We'll use an example. I have a sage. My sage is able to make a specific rune, and it's called the Foundation of Excitement. So this Foundation of Excitement is one set of three purple runes. Now, they're lore-equipped, so you can only have one rune of that specific type equipped on you. Once you equip it, it's no longer tradable. Originally, they are tradable once they're created. I believe they can be commissioned, but they're also tradable. So you can buy them on the broker or you can just hand them out to your friends. But as a crafter, you can only make one type. So basically what you need to do is you need to find friends or guildmates who have different types of crafters who've completed this quest line and received this recipe. And you will get an item set bonus if you get all three in the set you'll get a bonus if you get two and you'll also get a bonus if you get one but it's better to have all three and they have different kind of bonuses for each set
1: they're lore equipped so you can make more than one but once you equip it it's lore on you and you can't have a duplicate of that rune like you can't have two ascensions of destruction or two ascensions of love you have to have one of each one of them to make the set and each set confers an additional bonus it kind of builds on itself
0: Right. So there's three different sets for the artisan classes. You have your ascension set, your firmament set, and your foundation set. There's actually a fourth set that you can get uh, their foundation of thought, firmament of power, ascension of magic. Now, those can be made by multiple classes. It starts to get a little confusing. What you really want to focus on is the artisan class. That fourth set is an archetype artisan. So you have your scholars, outfitters, and craftsmen that each have their own extra rune that they can make. Those runes are part of a set that will give you another bonus once you have the whole set.
1: And it's important when you're looking at these purple runes, you need to decide what it is exactly that you're going to focus on as far as stats that you're going to bump up. Like one set will give you potency and a 100,000 to all of your attributes and then it'll apply an additional damage to one of your ascension abilities that you get. Another set will give you potency, mitigation, and fervor. And then another set will give you potency, gives you 250,000 health plus 25% additional max health. What you choose depends on where you want of focus your emphasis on
0: yes i believe that each set baseline if you just have one out of the set you get 26 percent potency and you can stack that as far as you can have one out of the ascension group one out of the firmament group and one out of the foundation group now you're not going to get the set bonus for each of those but you will get 26 percent potency for each one
1: right no so it took a bit to understand what was going on there when i first looked at them like what in the world it's a lot to learn
0: yeah you actually have to see the different runes to really start to understand once you read their description or their details then you'll really start to understand okay if i put these two together i'll get a bonus all right so now we're going to talk something old and something new we've got a lot of old and new content And I know Maureen has been itching to talk about this.
1: I think this is one of my favorite things about this expansion. You know, you have all these expansions come out and they have great content, but then once you've gone through the content and the new expansion comes out, the old content's just kind of left sitting there. You know, it's just such a waste of resources, both server-side and just sitting there with all this great stuff going on in there, but nobody's going there anymore because, well, we've got new stuff to go to. And what they've done now with Kunark Ascent they've changed it up a little bit in that you have Obulus Frontier which is the new zone but now you get to go back to the older zones for several reasons there is the Signature Timeline which requires for the Kunark Ascending Signature Timeline it requires you go having the Green Mist Heritage Quest it requires you going back to Sath Waste it requires you going back to the Fens then there's the Epic 2.0 and we'll elaborate more on this the Epic 2.0 not only does it require to have the epic 1.0 the actual weapon itself the quest line completed it requires you to have completed timelines and signature quest lines from previous expansions it requires heritage quests it requires factions which i love doing it requires city timeline either from freeport or kanos to be completed and it requires you to do your racial quest timeline and then there are the new instances that they have Put into these old zones and I think because they've done that it gave them a little bit more latitude and leeway to really do some really nice things with the artwork in these zones. I really like the artwork on these new zones and I really like the content on these new zones that are plopped down in the middle of the old zones and then the public quest they put in they've put them into um Jar Southway fens of Nassar and Kailong plains and we'll elaborate more on those here in just a couple of seconds but personally i think it's great that they've gone back and incorporated a lot of the old content and i think it's good because you've got a lot of new players that they don't understand how rich and how vibrant the whole of NORATH is I'm, i really like it i love the fact
0: that there are zones that people who have recently joined the game And they maybe did sort of a push button character to get their character leveled. And they missed a lot of the old content. Now they get a chance to go back and it's somewhat relevant and they get to experience, like you said, the richness of everything because they they did do a really good job on keeping context in these new zones to match them design-wise with the older zones.
1: Yeah, like I said, this is one of the things that just really I really like. I like the fact that people now get to experience all of this stuff that they may have never known was there. You have to go into um into valleys and you have to go into ice clad ocean and people that never knew about these poor little zombie otther, you know, what they did to the otther was just Horrible, but it's also something that if you hadn't been around when this first came out, you would never get to see this. Right.
0: Okay, and then the newest thing that they added... In the old zones, so keeping with the new and old theme, they've added these public quests. Now, public quests aren't new to Kunark Ascending, but we've got some new public quests in these old zones, like Marina had just said, Jarsath Waste, Fens of Nassar, and Kylong Plains. And they are really fun. My favorite is definitely Kylong Plains out on the lake and what they did with the Hydra.
1: I I like that. My favorite one is Jarsath Waste, but Kylong Plains and that Hydra and that Hydra fight, that takes a lot. of coordination. Um, you have to have a tank that knows what they're doing to tank that, to pull that hydro around and everything. It is a fun PQ. If you're not watching what you're doing, you'll either get dunked in the water or you get thrown up in the air or something's going to happen to you. It's a good PQ.
0: Yes. And you Can't have tanks fighting over the mob because they'll be there forever. It's got a a cute little mechanic where you have to pull the hydra all around these tentacles that are popping up out of the water. And that hydra has to go over them and snap them back down into the water. And he doesn't really get damaged or he's, he's got some sort of damage shield on while those tentacles are up. So you want to get them all down. And if you've got tanks out there fighting over aggro and pulling him back and forth, he's not going to move where he needs to move. So it is important that everybody's sort of on the same page and pulling him in the same direction so that you can get those tentacles down so you can actually fight the thing.
1: Yep kill him. Now, my favorite of the PQs, I have to say, is in Jarsath Waste out by Danak Shipyards. If you know Jar Waste and Danak Shipyards, if you look up, there's that big stone Ixar statue standing up on top of the little mountain outside of Danak Shipyard. While he becomes reanimated and you have to kill him, it takes a concerted effort between people who are killing the statue And crafters. Crafters have to go out and you have to be a level 100 crafter. You have to repair these damaged ballistas that spawn as part of the event. And the ballistas, once they're repaired, you fire one of the ballistas at him to take him to his knees so that he'll take damage. I like the cooperative effect of that between crafters. And there's something for everybody. If somebody doesn't particularly want to fight, but they like to build stuff, then there, there they go. They have that ballista to rebuild. And then in Fens, um that's down in the Field of Bone and I really like that they took the shade of Jaladar and made him an actual fight that you have to go out and fight him. And I really like that they did something with Jaladar's shade because I always thought it was kind of nice that he was out there, but I always thought, wow, they could do something with him. And here they are. They've made it so that you have to go out and you have to battle Jaladar's shade out there. That's another fight it takes a lot of coordination in that you have to round up all these constructs and destroy these constructs in order to damage um, Jarladar.
0: I do like how they have incorporated crafters. I do like how they've incorporated sort of like this team effort. There needs to be some sort of communication. You can't just be hacking away at Jarladar. Somebody's got to be going out there rounding other mobs up. So it is definitely a public effort for everyone who's out there and it makes the community work together. And sometimes people just play for solo, which is fine. And sometimes people just play in their little groups, which is fine. But it is good to have the community working together and talking and communicating. And it, I think it strengthens the community.
1: I, I agree. And you'll find people holding zones so that people can flip from one zone to the next zone to the next zone for these PQs so that they can go from one PQ in fans to the next PQ in fans, And the same thing in Kylong Plains and Jar. And so you have this communication going on in this, this collaborative effort and you'll have even, you know, like spontaneous raids formed up where people start raid inviting people to get them into the zone and then just stick together in a raid and to complete these PQs. I like it.
0: I completely agree. I've personally just thrown out in general chat like, hey, looking for an invite to you know, Fens 2 or Kylong 3 or wherever the PQ happens to be popped. And you usually get an invite right away, no questions asked, which is really nice because that allows you into the zone. They did have some problems when they first brought those PQs out where zones were crashing and there was just too many people. Everybody was going to the zone all at one time and that was just making everything lagged out and crashed. But they quickly fixed that and So we're all really appreciative of that.
1: (laughs) They resolve those issues very nice. I mean, there's been some hiccups along the way with trying to find the right median between how many hit points the mobs have versus how many people are fighting them and stuff. But overall, I think they've done a really nice job with these PQs. So one of the things that makes these PQs so popular for people is that in especially in Fens and Jarsath Waste and Kailong Plains, there are three items that come out of one out of each of the zones. In the Fens of Nassar, when you're fighting Jaladar's shade, one lucky person, just one, as far as I can tell, one person gets this charm that's called the Spectral Heart of the First Brood. It is so nice. It has 45,000 resists across the board. It's it's a pretty nice charm. A lot of people, as they get further down into the raid zones and stuff, will put that aside. But for the average player, especially those that don't raid, that Spectral Heart of the First Brood is really nice. And then down in Jasarth Ways, the Stone Sword of the Ixar Hero, that's pretty desirable, too. It's again, for people that haven't gotten their Epic and people that probably won't get their Epic, and even for those that are working on their epics until they get their epic, that stone sword of the Ixar Hero is really phenomenal. It, it's a pretty nice sword. And then uh, in Kailong Plains everybody's trying to get the Hydra scale helm. I mean, it looks like a Hydra helm. It's got like the fins and everything on it. It's kind of cool looking, but the stats on it are pretty nice too. So the three things that come out of those PQs, why everybody does those PQs, it, they certainly make it worth the effort that it takes to get out there and do them.
0: I love the look of that Hydra scale helm. Uh, I actually have a picture of one of our buddies wearing it. He, His name is Gerbil. He, <laughs> he's he's a Ratonga. And he got—he was one of the lucky winners of that Hydra Scale Helm, and I took a screenshot. It's actually on our contacts page. It's the header. So if you go to eq2lfg.com and you go into contacts, you'll see this Retongo with the Hydra Scale Helm on, and it's—it's it's kind of funny.
1: Yeah, I, I think a froglock in that helmet would be even funnier. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it is—it is a, is a cool-looking helm, and the stats on it are very, very nice.
0: All right, well, that's all for this episode. Thanks for joining us. On the next episode, we're going to go over some patch notes from the last few updates that are relevant to some gameplay. We've had some people ask about backgrounds for myself and Marina, so we will share some personal experiences. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe. You can also follow us on Twitter, at EQ2LFG, or we have a Facebook page, just search EQ2LFG. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel that's linked from Twitch. Both of those are on EQ2LFG.com, and all you have to do is go to the Media page. Page. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next time.